trouble is, Michael, when I drink water, I have to go somewhere all the time. So I'm reluctant. <laughs> I'm reluctant, Michael, to pick any more water up. Um, well, let me ask you, is there certain questions you've been asked and you just can't answer? I wonder whether you dig a hole. <laughs> oh, well, actually, you don't be honest and say, can't answer that one. And ministers, you know, are afraid to say that because people think ministers have all the answers in life. No, they do. They do. And, of course, when they look at me, they understand why. But listen, listen, it's just not true. It's not true. Sometimes, you know, it's best to say, don't know, don't know. And, you know, in the midst of trouble and pain, how do we react to that question in life when all I seem to do is suffer? Well, you know, I take one step forward and... When I see the person that I love, that I'm hopeless, I can't do anything for them. And I'm seeing them in pain and agony. I can't do anything. No, seriously, I can't. How do you react in times... Do you ever question God? Because Job did. Yeah. And one of the great prophets of the old, Elijah... Question. Even Moses, and I dare say even Rob Roberts, has questioned God at some times. He brings over this personified of holiness. But I bet even he has questioned God at some time. And in the midst of trouble and pain, how do you react? Listen to this. A soldier serving overseas received a dear letter, John, from his girlfriend back home. Not only was she writing to cut off her relationship with him, but to add insult to injury, she wrote, Will you please return my favourite photograph I gave you of myself? I need it for my engagement picture for my new boyfriend, because we need to put it in the local newspaper. The poor guy was devastated. Devastated. He stood there and thought, not only has she finished with me, but she wants to return the only photograph I have for her. All his mates, the soldiers in his unit, came to his rescue. And what they did is every soldier in the entire camp put their girlfriend's picture in a box, along with the guy's photograph that had been asked for. And so they, they put them in a shoebox and they sent it to the girl along with this note. Please find your picture and return the rest of for the life of me. I just can't remember which one of you you are. <laughs> I thought that was... But I don't know how you react. How did that soldier, though, seriously, in real, how did he react when he had that devastating news? And, you know, Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 to 2 says this. Sanabalat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews. He said in front of his friends and the Samaritan army officers, who does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they are doing? Do they really think they can be a wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that. Can I tell you something right now? That if you think your life is a rubbish heap, God can change it. God is in the business of changing rubbish heaps. 
And the questions that they threw at these people who had just returned to go to their city in Jerusalem and they saw the devastation, there were no walls, it was all broken down. People were laughing at them, saying with three questions. Who does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they are doing? Second question is, do they think they can build a wall in a single day by offering a few sacrifices? And third of all, do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that, burnt out ones at that? And I want to ask you, how do you look at yourself this morning? Are you burned out? Are you feeble? Are you, are you taking on board other people's questions over you? Do you feel like that? You're just poor, feeble. Who are you? What do you think you can do? And you know, we can be put on a rubbish heap. But I want to tell you, God takes people out of rubbish heaps. And he glorifies them through his name. Who are you? Well, I tell you who you are. You are a born again family of God's child. That's who you are. And that cannot change. You may feel rubbish, but you're a child of God. Whether you're feeling up here or whether you're feeling down there, the certainty is this. Who am I? I am a child of God. And therefore I have 10,000 reasons to sing. Who are you? And there were three burly fellas on huge motorbikes, saying, huge strapping blokes, hell's angels, boom. And they came into this calf. And as they came into this calf, they, they spotted a little bloke sitting uh, at the bar trying to have his food. And they laughed at him in his face. And the, the truck driver, well, he, he said nothing. He just sat there trying to eat his lunch. And he got up and he paid for his food and he walked out. And one of the three Hells Angels motorcyclists coming into the waitress, boy, he's not much of a man, is he? And the waitress replied, I guess not. Then looking out the window, she says, I guess he's not much of a truck driver either. He's just run over three motorbikes. <laughs> We are not to look at ourselves as how the world tells us. We are to look at ourselves as who God says we are. And in the end of the day, when my ministry is over, or whatever it happens, or whenever your ministry is over, it is not how people reflect on your ministry. It is what does God say about your ministry. What does God say about your I am a child of God. How relevant is that in a situation where these poor, feeble Jews sat down and were mocked and laughed? I did the Bible study for our guys and girls on Monday, and one of them, we asked them to pick their heroes, and one of them actually picked Gideon. Can't remember who it was now. Who was it? Oh, yeah, well, I'd better say that one then. So listen, so one day, the angel of God came and sat under the oak tree that belonged to Joash the Asperite, whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress out of the sight of the Midianites. The angel of God appeared to him and said, God is with you, almighty warrior. Gideon replied, with me? Me? 
You sure you got this right? Oh yes, almighty warrior, God is with you. Gideon said, well, and if God is with us, why has all this happened to us? And he said that, if God is with us, why is all this stuff going on in my life? And listen, if God is with me, this is what it says, where's all these wonderful miracle wonders my parents and grandparents told me about? Ever heard stories? Ever heard preachers get up and they tell you all the wonderful, magnificent things that have been happening in his life? And you're sitting there thinking, dear me, what's wrong with me? No, you do. I know they're doing it for words of encouragement, but sometimes it can be the opposite, isn't it? You know, everything's wonderful in their life. Do you know what I'm saying? You're sitting there thinking, dear me, dear me, dear me, dear me, Well, where's God? Where is God? We questioned that where is God? And Gideon is saying, how can you say God is with me? Didn't God deliver us from Egypt? Yes. The fact is, though, now God's got nothing to do with us. And he's turned us over to the Midianites. And we can be like that. Yeah, I remember once God was with me. But I'm not so sure God is with me now. And we can go through those times of darkness when we ask the questions. Which is why journals are so important. So you can go back, like Gideon could go back and say, I remember that there was a God who took us out of Egypt. But now he's not with us anymore. Didn't God deliver us? But God faced him directly. Fancy God facing you directly, Margaret. Eh? Fancy God facing you directly. And he says this. Go in my strength. It is all you need to save Israel from Midian. Haven't I just sent you? Gideon said to him, me master? How and what could I ever save Israel? I am just Gideon. Look at me. My clan's the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the runt of the litter. Wow, self-pity, dear me. The violins are out now, aren't they? Eh? Who am I? I'm a runt. I'm a rubbish heap. Is that how you see yourself? Hmm? You're the runt. You're the rubbish heap. Well, God says, okay, you might be, but you're still going to say the Midianites. Because I use rubbish heap. I use runts to glorify my name. And this is what he says to Gideon. Go, Gideon. I will be with And our last few months we have been talking about the Great Commission. And what's the end of the Great Commission? Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of your days. Are you feeling like a runt this morning? Are you feeling like a rubbish heap? God says, I'm still with you. I've never left you. I will never forsake you. And I'll tell you something, with me, you can come out of the rubbish heap and you can conquer all things. So, the next thing Gideon happens in Gideon is this. God said to Gideon, you've got too large an army with you. 
And I can turn Midian over to them like this. They'll take the credit saying, oh, we did it. And they'll forget all about God. So make a public announcement. Anyone afraid can go home. I was in that line. Boof. I was back home. Okay, now then. The rest of you, I want you to take them to a brook. And I want you to get them to have a drink. And then, of course, you know the story. And so at the end of the day, this massive army is reduced to only 300 people. Because God says, Gideon, I told you we can win the battle. And to make sure you understand that I am with you, I'm going to give you the smallest army possible. And you'll still defeat the Midianites. And I want to tell you there's a principle here in life. Is that we must do that verse we talked about last week. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? You see, it is God who will take your life. It is God who can direct your paths. It is God who can take you from the rubbish sheep and take you to a place where you go. And the answer to the question to that guy, Elijah, why are you sitting? What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Whoa, I'll tell you what I'm doing here. I'm the only one in Israel that loves you. And I'm the only one that's done this. And I am, again, the violins come out as he sits in the mountain cave. And God says, well, that's nonsense because there's 5,000 people I can pick on now that I know that still love me. We can be drawn into a life of self-pity if we're not careful that the only things that happen to us only happen to us. And God is saying, listen, I want to give you a verse in John 15 that I want you to take to heart this week. I hope many of you start singing. Actually, somebody texted me. You know, I said to you last week, sing, sing, sing all week. That's praises to God. Well, someone actually texted me and said, I did it this afternoon and I've broken ten windows. Um, now the text I got, I think it was ten windows or ten bottles. Well, just keep singing, woman. Just keep singing. I'm not going to mention your name. So don't worry about that, Ali. Now listen. In John 15, sorry. In John 15, it says this. You want to know the answer to self-pity? You want to know the answer to life and how I can take you from the rubbish heap? John 15 says, live in me. Make my home in me. Just as I do in you. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus says, just as I am living in you and making my home in you, will you live in me and make your home in me? And he says, listen... In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to a vine. And you can't bear fruit unless you were joined with me. I am the vine. You, though, are branches. When you're joined with me and I'm joined with you, the relation intimate Organic love, listen, this is what it says. I love the message. The relation, intimate, organic harvest is sure to be abundant. Organic, I like the word organic. I can't afford organic, I'm a pastor, so I can't afford to buy organic stuff. Uh, you people obviously can't. The violins is up, yes, I know, yes. Uh, but listen, I'm always walking down, well, I'm not always walking down because I like someone else to do my shopping for me. I hate shopping. 
I, unless it's in the Sunderland football store, and then I can shop all day. But I don't particularly. But when I do go shopping, it, all the big counters are organic, organic, and always extra money isn't it for organic or organic. So I don't know whether organic is good or not. But Jesus says, when you're joined with me, and I am joined with you, the relationship is intimate and organic. Love it, love it. You're not a rubbish sheep, Janet. You're not a rubbish sheep. Didn't care what anybody else says. You're not a rubbish sheep. Child, we're a fiat of God. Let's not go down that road. I'm not saying we're not to feel sorry for ourselves. I think we've got to be like Gideon. We've got to realise that perhaps we are just the low in the run. But listen, the question that God says to Gideon and to Elijah and to all of us is, Who are you? Who are you this morning? And that's why I felt conscious about praying for those. And it was lovely to hear Heather's prayer. But you have been joined in the branches and you're praying for people who you want to see joined in the branches too. Seriously. You have an intimate, organic relationship with someone that if our families don't have, I have to preach the truth. And as that, if they go into to glory like that, then heaven doesn't await them. Heaven doesn't await them. But you are in the vine. How many know that when God initiates something into the heart, he completes it? And when he said, when he said this, go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. And those three questions are thrown at you in mockery. And you feel that, Nehemiah, you are the runs. Your feeble people there may think that. But I promise you that I'm with you in that, Nehemiah. And even when you split your workforce in half because the enemy is out to get you, and so half your workforce is taken up just on lookout duties, you're still going to do it because I am with you. And in 51 days... That wall was built. That wall was built. Who are you, Nehemiah? You're a joke. Well, that's what you think. My God thinks different. Let me read you a wonderful story as we come to a close. It's a true story. Fred Craddock, an American university lecturer, and his wife were on holiday one summer. One night they found a quiet little restaurant where they looked forward to a private meal, just the two of them. While they were waiting for their meal, they noticed a distinguished-looking white-haired man moving from table to table, talking to the other guests. Craddock whispered to his wife, I hope he doesn't come over here. I don't want this man to intrude on our privacy. What do you think happened? The man came over to the table. Where are your folks from, he said, I'm Oklahoma. Splendid state, I hear. Although I've never been there myself. What do you do for a living? I teach homiletics at the graduate seminary of the Phillips University. Oh, so you teach preachers, do you? Well, I've got a story I want to tell you. And with that, he pulled up a chair and sat down at the table with Craddock and his wife. Dr. Craddock groaned, oh. Here comes another preacher's story. 
And he thought, it seems everybody has one. The man stuck out his hand and said, I'm Ben Hooper. I was born not far from here, across the mountains. My mother wasn't married when I was born. So I've had a very hard time. When I started school, my classmates had a name for me. And it wasn't a very nice name. I used to go off by myself at break times and at lunch times because the taunts of my playmates cut me so deeply. What was worse, I was going to town on Saturday afternoon feeling every eye burning a hole through me. They were all wondering just who my real dad was. When I was about 12 years old, a preacher came to our church. I would always go in late and slip out early. But one day the preacher said the benediction so fast, I got caught and had to walk out with the crowd. I could feel every eye in the church was on me. Just before I got to the door, I felt a big hand on my shoulder. I looked up, and there he was, the preacher, looking right down at me. He questioned, who are you, son? Whose boy are you, he asked. I felt that old weight pressing on me, like a big black cloud. Even the preacher was putting me down. But as he looked at me, stood in my face, he began to smile, a big smile of recognition. Wait a minute, he said. I know who you are. I see the family resemblance. You are a son of God. And with that, the boy, go collect your inheritance. Go and claim it. Wait a minute. He said, I know who you are. I see the family resemblance. You are a son of God. Whatever the world sticks a label on you, God's label is, you are my child. Where, however you were born, whatever circumstances in life you're facing now, the old man looked across the table at Fred Craddock and said, do you know that was the most important single sentence that has ever been said to me? With that, he smiled, he shook the hands of Craddock and his wife, and he moved on to another table to greet old friends. Suddenly, Fred Craddock remembered something. He said, on two occasions, the people of Tennessee had elected someone born out of wedlock, to be their governor. His name was Ben Hooper. He was an illegitimate child. He was laughed at and mocked at. But the one on the rubbish heap became the governor of Tennessee. Not once, but twice. I hope I've encouraged you this morning. Do you actually think you were stones? Do you really think that you were a rubbish heap? If you do, I'm going to say these words as I leave the platform. Wait a minute. I know who you are, Caroline. I see the family resemblance. You are a child of God. Go. Collect your inheritance. May God bless you all to know who you are and be encouraged. Our God is for you.
In Jesus' name, amen.